This is Stories with Amos. I'm Holly. Amos Campbell was an entrepreneur, candy maker, dreamer, as well as my late grandfather. And not least of all, he was quite the storyteller. Back in 2007, when I was still a teenager, I interviewed Amos with the intention of one day documenting his life in a biography. The two of us would sit down at a park with just him, myself, and a tape recorder. But now instead of using these recordings to write down the stories on his behalf, I decided to let Amos speak for himself on his very own podcast. Bear in mind, these are old stories taped on old cassettes with an old tape deck amid the background noise of a public park. The quality of these unedited, long-form recordings, and even some of Amos's word choice and storytelling, are byproducts of their time, so I apologize in advance for any parts of this that are difficult to listen to, occasionally in more ways than one. But with that aside, I hope you enjoy this collection of stories with Amos. Let's listen together to this chapter in Grandpa's life. And see if it's going to pick up our voices set in my back right here. And see, today is June the 12th, 2007. And we're sitting here in the park with uh, Holly. And we're talking about old times and good things. And I turned the volume up all the way so it should work better. And uh, well, I'll start off with my name is Amos Campbell, and I was born in Greenville, Pennsylvania on uh, November the 18th, 1927, and uh, at the Margaret Brown School in Greenville, Pennsylvania, and my uh, teacher's name was Miss Lyons. Now, I, uh, I had... Uh, two older sisters and an older brother, although the oldest one was still three years old when I was born, Margaret, uh, although she turned uh, four years old on the uh, November the 25th. So there was two youngsters in between Margaret and myself, but they had four of us in four years. Uh, now, of course, uh, uh, my younger brother, Fred, uh, when he was born, my oldest sister was either 14 or 15. But um, Dad's name was Amos, and uh, uh, of course, they, they, if they called me Amos and Dad Amos, why, they wouldn't know who they're talking about. So they decided to call me Amos Jr., and so then from there it was Junior. But the, uh, you know, there's three kids that are below four years old, uh, four and under, that uh, they're trying to say Junior. And it doesn't come out Junior. It comes out Jupe, you know. So they start calling me Jupy. And even to this day, when I go back home, there's a lot of people call me Jupy you know, because I carried that name all through my life. And uh, but that, that, that's the story. In fact, my taffy pulling uh, program, I named it uh, Jupy's Old Fashioned Taffy Pulling. Now, let me see. 
from there uh, at about eight years old. No, it wasn't eight. I would have been probably about seven years old, just about a year after that picture there was made. And I, uh, we moved out on a farm in Greenville, Pennsylvania, a great big farm. We moved in a house that had 14 rooms in it. Now the house was kind of divided and there was a fireplace in every room in that house. And they had a, a, a system to collect the ashes all in pipes that went through down in the basement from, from all those fireplaces. You know. It was a beautiful, big old house, but it wasn't very well kept up. There was an old well outside the house. And uh, we went to a one-room school out there, all of my brothers and sisters and myself, because there would have been, well, let me see, Wayne, uh, Wayne was born in Greenville before we left Greenville. So I was talking to Wayne yesterday, and he said he's 73 years old. So that was 73 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but... Uh, there would have been Frank and Margaret, Jane, myself, for, uh, of course, the next one is Joanne, and she would have been a baby. And no, Joanne went to school there, too, with us. But, uh, and, there, and I think little Britta went to school there also. But it, uh, it was a one-room school, just like that building over there. There was uh, eight classes in one room. The teacher taught you all, you know, and you had uh, the the desks were double desks, and two kids just could sit beside each one of them, you know. And it was quite an experience, I know, for all of us kids, because the teacher was very, very young, and she fell in love with the uh, eighth grade student that was sitting in the back room, and she often would teach the class from sitting back there beside him. Of course. Uh, uh, we moved out of the school. To, I think there was only 14 or 15 people in the school. And when we left, well, they closed the school <laughs> because there wasn't enough kids, you know, to maintain a school. But we moved then uh, out to uh, my grand grandmother's place. My granddaddy Campbell, my dad's dad, passed away. And he was somewhere around 73, 74, 75. And I don't know exactly how old he was. But they had a big old uh, farmhouse, big farm out there. I think it was 50 to 60 acres. I don't remember how many. But anyhow, we're trying to kill you We, uh, at my, uh, after my grandfather, Dad died, but we moved down there on the farm because my dad owned business there in Greenville, Pennsylvania, where he would repair automobiles. And one of the big things that he he specialized in doing was radiators, because back in those days, the radiators on automobiles they, they would heat up and the solder would melt and they would start to leak, and just for so many different reasons. And Dad was so good, he had developed a tank uh, that he used as a torch. And he even had a, a blueprint drawn up to that thing, you know, because he was going to get a patent. And it worked so well 
you could solder with it, but you couldn't, it wouldn't get hot enough to weld with it or cut. Right. But it was a nice little tank, very portable, and used carbide in it. Uh, do you know what carbide is? No, I don't. Well, carbide is a, uh, is a fuel, type of fuel. It comes in little square things. You can buy it, in, I don't know, I imagine you can still buy it in hardware's. And uh, uh, they, uh, uh, he he would take these two gas tanks that he had taken off of automobiles back then. The tank, the gas tanks were round, and one was a little smaller than the other. And he would slide it down in into the one. And I don't know just exactly how he did it, but uh, he would hang a can of carbide in there, and water would drip, and whenever water would hit carbide. It would turn into the fumes would turn into a gas, and with that gas he piped it into a, a nozzle and a torch, and that's what he, he started his radiators with. You know, carbide back then in those days was used in the coal mines a lot, because you've seen coal miners with the hats on the top of their head, and they would use that carbide in there for. Uh, to go down into the mines and work in the mines. That's what the, the, one of the big uses of carbide back in those days. But anyhow, Dad uh, uh, specialized in soldering radiators, and they brought radiators from him all over Greenville, Mercer, Sharon, and in the end, that's all he was doing was just soldering radiators. He did all of the business he would do, you know. But for some reason, Dad became ill. I mean, he was smoking pretty heavy. Dad smoked cigars. And he would, I mean, of course, both hands would always be full with solder in one hand and a torch in the other hand, so he could never take a cigarette out of his mouth. So he would smoke a cigar and have a cigar in his mouth all the time, I remember. And then he would, because uh, one of the uh, cigar would go out, and he would just light it with a torch. He just had everything in it, <laughs> right in, in order there, you know. But uh, for some reason, Dad became very ill. And whether it was the fumes from uh, all that carbide and everything, uh, they never did know. And uh, But they, uh, the doctors told me how to get out of that business. So after Granddad died, well, we decided that we'd go to... Uh, moved over there to East Brady, Pennsylvania. And uh, uh, and on the old farm. Now, Dad, he decided he was going to farm it, but what he was going to do was specialize in uh, raising chickens, raising fryers. So he built a, oh, a real nice chicken coop, you know, where to keep chickens in it. And he had a brooder uh, top, what they call a brooder top, hanging on the inside of that brooder house, so that uh, there was some heat, and uh, it was like a hood, and uh, there there would be heat in it, and those chickens could get under those little peeps, getting underneath it. And he bought five thousand little peeps, you know, a lot of, a lot of little chickens. And uh, I had them there, and, and they were all doing just real well. I mean, there was, uh, oh, they, they were growing, and Dad had made an arrangement with a company in Butler called Oosterling's Feed Mill to uh, uh, 
get fee for these chickens, knowing they go to sell them, why he could give them money for the fee. And uh, uh, he had one at Ladies Bend, which was quite a tourist place, and to another couple of places that had agreed to buy his chickens for fryers. And these chickens that he bought were uh, Rhode Island, what they call Rhode Island egg chicken. But they grew real nice and plump, you know. I mean, they were very, very good for uh, frying chickens, you know. But after about six weeks, and, and these chickens, they just ate food. I mean, they truck would come out there with big bags of food for, <laughs> to feed those chickens with. And lo and behold, Holly, those chickens come stripped, what they called streptococcosis, which is a chicken disease. And just in no time at all, about half of them had died. And by the time they did get big enough to sell them, there wasn't too many to sell. He owed the Sear Feed Company all that money for, those, for that feed. He ended up going to work for the feed company in Pedro. But, uh, and that's where, uh, of course, we went to another one-room school there. Uh, called the Steel School. We had to walk about a mile to that school. And uh, I remember one night, Holly, it was uh, like uh, in the fall of the year, right around uh, uh, Halloween time. And, uh, and they, you know, they would always have a Christmas play, and they would have a Halloween play, and they would have an Easter play, and everything in the school to kind of get the kids used to because they were all country kids, you know. I mean, uh, I never, I never eat in a restaurant until I was about fourteen years old, you know. And uh, but uh, uh, we were having this year Halloween play, and it was a real nice evening. Uh, and uh, I think it was like on a Friday night or something. And uh, uh, they had an intermission, and uh, so all of us, everybody, went outside. Some of the guys wanted to smoke. Of course, my dad had quit smoking, too, by that time. And he he quit smoking before we left Greenville. It is such a great story. All right. <laughs> All right. But uh, uh, we went outside. Uh, dad and Frank and I and there's oh, several other guys. And we were standing out, and the moon was free, big. Just a beautiful night, you know, and we're standing there looking at the moon. There's an old man there by the name of Long, and he didn't have any teeth. He's just going out there, well, you know, Amos, they tell me that someday we'll have a man on that moon. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my dad said, oh, I don't think that'll ever happen. <laughs> Little did he know, huh? But uh, anyhow, uh, that's where we went to school. And, uh, oh, I wanted to tell you the story about my dad and uh, uh, Chris Whenever, uh, after dad went to work for the, for the, uh, the company and to pay off that chicken bill, uh, you know, the feed bill, then he went to work uh, for a guy by the name of Nelson. Uh, there in uh, Butler, and 
you kind of watch, keep watching that. I don't know how much time is on that. But uh, I guess it'll shut off automatically. Uh, how many? Uh, is that 45 on each side, I wonder, or is it 90 yeah. on each side? I, 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 probably 45 on each side. Yeah, I don't know. 45 okay. on each side, right? But uh, anyhow, uh, he, he went to work for this uh, guy, Nelson was his name, as an automobile mechanic. And uh, Nelson was a welder and a machinist. And Dad learned a lot about the machine business and everything. Because then during the war, he went to work for uh, the Pullman Standard Car Company in Butler, Pennsylvania. And there they made uh, uh, casings for shells and bombs. You know, there. And he was a machinist there. And uh, he did, uh, in fact, Dad uh, did a shell casing. Uh, they would put in a lathe and it had to be turned, and it, it was held in a lathe with what they called dogs. And there were just little pieces of metal that they clamped in the lathe and uh, turned the lathe so that they could turn the shell down you know, in the lathe. But uh, they, these dogs would wear out to the point of where it took one man every shift just to keep making up enough dogs for them to. But Dad had another man there, and the two of them worked on a project, and they invented a system or a way of making those dogs. And they could make enough in one hour to supply the whole shop for a week. And Dad had received a lot of money for that, too. Mm -hmm. but, but that kind of thinking is really embedded. You know, I mean, your dad, doesn't he just keep thinking all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah, well, my dad was the same way. But anyhow, while he was working for the Pullman Standard, and uh, he would get up, he worked at like a 10 hour shift, and he would get up like 4 o'clock in the morning, and he would go to work maybe at 5.30, I guess, or 5 o'clock. And it was about 10 miles from home into Butler, and he would be in the car and drive every morning. To Butler, and uh, uh, on his way over there, why he would always stop every morning and get five dollars worth of gas, or most every morning. I, I don't know how often, but quite often. And this one particular morning, now he hadn't smoked for about seven years. And one morning he uh, stopped at the at the gas station to fill up with gasoline, and they. Uh, he went in to pay them because then you didn't pump your own. I mean, they come out and pump it for you, and he went inside to pay them. And uh, sitting there on the counter, and the guy had just opened up a new box of cigars. And he had uh, set it out there in the counter. There was a tag on him, three for a quarter. So Dad put a quarter down in the counter. He says he doesn't know what made him do that. But uh, he put the quarter down on the counter, and the guy gave him three of his cigars. And uh, Dad went out and got in the car, and he started towards Butler, and he lit up a cigar. And he was just puffing away, you know. He was used to inhaling. Now, he had smoked for six, seven, eight years. And he, he started inhaling, and he said he never tasted anything as good as that cigar tasted to him. He said he never smoked a cigar that was that good. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and about five minutes later, why it, it wasn't tasty so good, and he that he wasn't feeling just real good, and so he just threw the cigar out the window, you know. And then he he drove a while longer, another four, three or four minutes. He said he reached in, took the other two, and threw them out the window, and because he was getting sick. And he drove further on and up the road that really has a lot of turns in it, but he got to a street stretch and he said he was just deathly sick. And he says he pulled off to the road, off the side of the road, and slid over onto the passenger side. He said he could hardly make it. He got the door open on the passenger side and got out. And he knelt down beside the car. And he asked, told God that if you'll just let me live, <laughs> no. he would never do that again, you know. But uh, anyhow, he said that a little bit, he got to feel better. Got back in the car and drove on into power. He says he never smoked again after that. But I always thought that was such a story. <laughs> you know, because my dad was a great, great guy. Really a great man. I never. Oh, I'll take up asthma and say, I've never seen him drink. I drink in my life. But I did see him one time. We were building a house for Miles Rogers, uh, Jane's husband, up in Hubbard, Ohio. And uh, it, it was a family there that uh, we would, and we would all get together and we would go there. And it was in the summertime and it was just as hot as can be. I know I was there and I had Miles and Miles' dad and uncles and brothers and there was a bunch of us there, and, and uh, uh, they would have beer every once in a while. And I do remember my dad taking a, a bottle of beer and just drinking one and drink out of it. And that's the only time that I ever seen my dad, or even the room of it, drinking beer. But he was a great guy. I mean, a great man. I hope you enjoy this episode of Stories with Amos. This podcast series was produced and edited by my husband, Ian. Music arrangement also by Ian. Credit to Amos Campbell, our Grandpa Jupy, for the original recordings. I'm so grateful to have these stories preserved in his beloved memory. I have been your host, Holly. Tune in to another episode of this limited series podcast as we explore these old recordings together with Grandpa narrating the journey. Thank you for listening.